I think at first it was mostly about survival and trying to get through it and stay safe during that time. Uh, we were all basically on call to be called to a COVID ward, to internal medicine or intensive care, and so we were in survival mode for that next step. That was Dr. Azine Ahari and Dr. Peter Van Stolk, our guests on this special COVID-19 series of Around the Room. I'm your host, Daniel Ennis. In this special series, we are continuing to explore the many ways that the COVID-19 pandemic has affected our colleagues and patients across the country. Today, we are speaking with two rheumatology fellows about the impact of the virus on their training. Azine and Peter, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. So, Azine, let's start with you. What rotation were you on when the pandemic hit? And what was that moment like? So when the pandemic um, really started to happen in Vancouver, um, it was around March, and I was on my community rotation during that time. Um, having just started the rotation, I was spending some time in uh, the community rheumatology uh, clinics, and I was having a really good time. But every day, things were changing, and different um, clinics were being changed, different policies were coming out about restrictions on interactions and trying to uh, reduce the risk of exposure for patients, physicians, and other healthcare providers. Were you finding that it was kind of different patterns of practice at the different clinics that you were at? I think that the um, division was uh, trying to guide everyone in terms of uh, what you're supposed to do in clinic to try and maintain uh, standard and reduce risk to patients. And I think that guidance was really important. There was some variations in different practices, for the, but for the most part, everyone was following the same model of, you know, certain amount of times cleaning the office during the day, certain amount of times washing your hands, um, and between patients cleaning the um, waiting room. I think that that practice was generally the same, but there was some small variations between offices. And Peter, how about you? What were you, uh, what rotation were you on? What were you doing when the pandemic came to Vancouver? As a PGY5 resident in the program, I had completed my electives and I was actually planning to go on a traveling clinic the week that everything started to shut down. And so with three days notice, I had my traveling clinic canceled due to the risk of travel and exposure to a rural population. And within three days of being in that attending's clinic, I was pulled back to the hospital service to cover inpatient call. And that meant that I was pulled away from certain specialty clinics, such as ultrasound clinic, pregnancy and rheumatic disease, IgG4 clinic, and other subspecialty clinics that I would otherwise complete. And initially, it was quite an abrupt change, and clinics didn't know how bad this was going to be or which direction it was going to go, if we were going to be pulled back to internal medicine, intensive care, or if we could stay on rheumatology. So for a couple of weeks initially, uh, all clinics actually were canceled for me, and I was just focused on the inpatient rotation. So what, what were your new duties on, on the inpatient rotation? What was your, your role during COVID? My role was to receive consults from the emergency department or inpatient services at our downtown hospital, go to see them, and then review with the attending. And I did have an off-service resident who had not been pulled back to his own service to help me with that. And in addition to that inpatient service, which was five days a week, 
I also did my longitudinal clinic, which was one afternoon per week. And I also picked up other clinics as the days went on. And were those clinics then run through telehealth or through some sort of uh, online, non-in-person clinic? You're absolutely right. So I did a dermatology and rheumatology clinic that was done via telehealth. And uh, that was run by one service. And then I had the pregnancy and rheumatic disease that was run by a different telehealth service. And then a different clinic that was run by a different telehealth service. And so it was really up to the individual attending to see which platform they wanted to use. Um, But I found that I want to commend my program on the ability to take up those clinics and to have our teaching preserved throughout this difficult time. And we'll definitely talk about the teaching um, in a moment. So you had to become kind of a connoisseur of the different telehealth services um, as you were kind of trying to navigate all the different clinics that you were doing. Azine, how about you? What, What changed in terms of your duties? What were you pulled back to? Yeah, so similar to uh, Peter, I was also pulled back from my community clinics and um, I was moved to Vancouver General Hospital Consult Service where, similar to Peter, I was receiving consults from inpatients or the emergency department. We also lost um, our off-service residents who are typically internal medicine residents from that come and rotate through rheumatology. They were pulled back to be redeployed to ICU or CTU. And so the uh, consult service for rheumatology at Vancouver General Hospital was covered by myself and another PGY5 uh, fellow. So you had lost a lot of the learners that you're used to working with. And I think kind of one of your major roles as a fellow is to be a teacher and and a role model for for some of the, the more junior trainees. How did you feel about kind of all of these changes happening at the same time. You were kind of, you, you were moved to more of a service role. You were changed from the rotations that you were supposed to be on. And you no longer had all this, the, you know, the same volume of learners that, that you were probably used to working with. I think at first it was mostly about survival and trying to get through it um, and stay safe during that time. But as time went on, I think within a couple of weeks, we all realized that this is not going to be temporary and we will need to adapt. So I think at that point, we started to try and adapt to this uh, new situation. You're absolutely right. We don't have residents. So our role as uh, rheumatology fellows is limited in teaching, Um, but it's still possible. We still interact with CTU residents who are still interested in learning around their rheumatology cases. So we teach in that way but it's taken a different shape. How about you, Peter? How did you feel about all these these major changes just as your fellowship was winding down? Yeah, I think as Azine said initially, uh, we were all basically on call to be called to a COVID ward, to internal medicine or intensive care. And so we were in a survival mode for that next step of what was going to happen. We saw what was happening in other countries. And I, I was anticipating being pulled away from rheumatology at a moment's notice as things could change overnight. But I also believed that despite the circumstance, no one knowing what to do, it was not an excuse to give up teaching and mentorship completely. And so I did have an off-service resident, and also you interact infrequently with the other services uh, on the phone, and I thought that teaching moment should be preserved. I thought I had the time for that, and I didn't want to waste the resident's rotation in rheumatology for them to be exposed to the field, for them to learn what they needed to learn, and so I, I tried to make that happen throughout the week. 
So everyone's kind of, uh, everything kind of went up in the air. You guys tried to find ways to make things work, um, even despite having major changes in your team structure and the way that you would presumably like go, even go see patients, how you'd run lists, all of that stuff was, was changing. But one of the biggest changes that happened very early on in the pandemic, Azeen, this is, this is uh, kind of pointed at you, uh, was the Royal College exam, which is a major component of your fourth year of training. So what happened with the Internal Medicine Royal College exam? So the Internal Medicine Royal College exam is um, going to be written in the PGY three year. And so the incoming residents were mostly affected by that because they had to delay their exams. And now that they're starting uh, the residency program, they have not written their Royal College exam yet, and they will be writing it in the fall of their PGY four. For me, luckily, I had already done my exam last year, so it did (laughs) not affect me um, yet. But I think that the changes of the pandemic are sort of long-lasting, and the cohort after us, the exam is being delayed, and and a component of it is taken away, which Peter can comment on more. And we are waiting to see what will happen to our exam, which is supposed to be happening, our rheumatology royal college exam, which is supposed to be taking place in our PG5 five year in the spring. Oh, I see. Okay. So Peter, what ended up happening with your royal college exam? So initially I was worried about a domino effect because the subspecialty exams from the spring were pushed to the fall. And my subspecialty exam in rheumatology was due for the fall of 2020. And so you start to wonder how they're going to accommodate all of us. And so my Royal College exam in rheumatology typically consists of a written exam and an oral component several weeks later in the fall. And initially we were told, hold on, we're keeping everything as is. And then the next iteration was, we're keeping the written exam, but you no longer have to do the oral exam. That's cancelled. And then the next iteration was, we're expanding the written testing sites. And so as it stands right now, our written exam has been pushed a couple of weeks later to early October 2020. We have no oral exam, and they've expanded the written testing sites, um, presumably so that we could gather in smaller groups and still have this examination completed. Okay, so it, it, you know, it sounds like, thankfully, there's not been huge disruption to uh, your examination. There's been some transition away from uh, the in-person OSCE physical exam uh, component of the examination, which, which seems kind of appropriate in the context of the pandemic. Azeen, you trained in multiple centers across Canada before you came to Vancouver. Can you give us any insights into the trainee experience elsewhere in the country? I think I can give a probably a limited understanding. Um, from my discussions with other rheumatology residents across the country, they have had a similar experience in that they have also been pulled from their typical rotations, be it subspecialty clinics or other um, clinic rotations, and have been mostly covering the consult service. Um, the clinics for everyone has been changed to virtual clinics, and that means um, probably less patients in terms of volume and less physical exam and less procedures. I think those are common between all the trainees across the country. There has probably been a change in the number of calls and coverage 
because inevitably there are residents who have medical conditions or limitations in their patient interaction. And so the workload may be now divided between a smaller pool of residents compared to before. I think in Vancouver, we were lucky that we were not hit as hard and the rheumatology residents were redeployed to medicine or ICU. But I know across the country, some rheumatology residents have had to cover internal medicine and help out in an area that's not their typical home service in an area that they feel comfortable with. Yeah, so I, I guess people are hurting all over the country. You're right, uh, Vancouver may have had kind of an early uptick in cases, but generally speaking, we've we've fared better than some of the other provinces. Peter, do you think there are there any lessons that we can take away from the pandemic as a rheumatology community? I think we were forced to adapt very quickly to a situation that no one knew how to go about it. And um, a lot of the rheumatology staff prepared to go to the COVID ward and return to their internal medicine days, which I know was a challenge. And some of the lessons to take away is that, you know, we are able as a community to adapt fairly quickly and still provide patient care. I think that subsequent studies and statistics will show us um, if there are any bad sequelae from this in terms of our rheumatology patients, but we've been able to transition to an almost exclusively telehealth model and still get prescriptions renewed, still see patients. And I think that that is encouraging. And what I hope to see is that telehealth remains a part of our specialty, because particularly in a province like British Columbia or a country like Canada, getting people to come to a somewhat larger center from a more rural setting um, necessitates that they drive through horrendous conditions at some parts of the year. And I do wonder if we can justify that moving forward, given how telehealth has worked so far in our community. I think that's going to be one of the main uh, things that comes out of this. Do you think that that's a positive to be integrating more telehealth? I think it is a positive, but I do think that we need to be cognizant of what we're losing out in terms of the physical interaction, the in-person reading of body language, um, and of course the physical examination. And so I think we do risk going too far, um, but as with any change in medicine that has happened over centuries, there are positives and there are negatives to uh, be wary of moving forward. Peter, you had mentioned earlier uh, that there had been uh, changes initially to the education that you were receiving as a fellow, but that the program was able to adapt. Can you can you talk to that? Yeah, I do want to commend my program on um, what they did for our teaching, which was basically preserve the entire thing through this pandemic. We quickly converted to online Zoom meetings with our rheumatology fellows and our attendings, and we really didn't miss a beat. We had weekly journal club meetings. We had weekly academic half days with subspecialists, with rheumatologists on a variety of topics. We had bi-weekly immunology teaching, and we had monthly OSCE teaching with our program director. And all of that was preserved, which I thought was fantastic. And so I feel that our educational piece of the Rheumatology Fellowship Program was preserved right from day one of this COVID pandemic. I think I've been impressed to see how agile a lot of uh, like our colleagues have been integrating telehealth or um, using telehealth technology to, to kind of maintain the fairly regular nature of, of clinics. But it's great to hear that that's also extending to teaching as well. Has that been your experience too, Azeen, that uh, you've still been getting the same 
kind of level of attention and, and teaching uh, that you guys deserve as fellows? Absolutely. I think that we have found a program and the fellows have done a great job and trying to advocate for maintaining the teaching and education programs. And we've had a great experience so far. I think in addition to that, we were lucky that the ACR put together the viral lecture series, which were three times a week, and those were fantastic as well. Um, so those were really valuable. In addition to that, our grand rounds were also moved to Zoom online grand rounds uh, for rheumatology division, and we were able to keep that interaction as well, which has been very nice. I think one aspect that maybe is a little bit different now is the evaluations. And I think the PGY-4 is being in the, in the competency-based by design curriculum um, are a little bit affected by that. Previous to this, as part of competency by design, we had to have a number of EPAs or entrustable professional activities that we get evaluated on on a weekly basis. These are required for our residency programs to complete and with the changes of the pandemic and virtual clinics, we adapted to trying and maintain um, some of these EPAs, but of course, EPAs that are for physical examination or procedure are difficult to get during this time as we're doing mostly virtual clinics. So I hope we'll see what happens, but I hope that we will find a way to address that too and make sure that the part of the uh, competency by design is addressed and we can still get all the profession, entrustable professional activities that is required of us. So, uh, Peter, what's next for you? What do, what do you move on to after you uh, finish fellowship? So I'll complete fellowship um, kind of at the end of our academic year and uh, July 1st, a week off, I'll do a one-month locum across from our downtown hospital in Vancouver for one of the attending rheumatologists here. And then I will go to Kelowna, British Columbia, to join an established practice of community rheumatologists. Well, they're very lucky to have you. Uh, Azine, how about you? What's next for you? As of July 1st, I will be officially a PGY-5 and will be uh, starting subspecialty clinic rotation, which I'm very excited. Of course, the clinics are still going to be virtual clinics for a majority of part with some patient interaction. And I think that there will probably be a slow transition into actually being able to see patients in person for the most part. But I'm excited for that change. And uh, I think that the transition will, will go smoothly. That's great. Thank you both so much for speaking with me. And thanks so much for your service and your hard work through the COVID pandemic. Thank you for having me on the podcast. Uh, this has been great. I really enjoyed the previous episodes and I look forward to much more. Thank you so much for having me as well. And this has been a great opportunity to share our stories. That was Drs. Azeen Ahari and Dr. Peter Van Stolk, Rheumatology Fellows at the University of British Columbia. That's it for this episode of Around the Room, the Canadian Rheumatology Association podcast. We are produced by David McGuffin, Dr. Dax Rumsey, Kevin Bagenoth, and Aaron Fontwell. We would like to give a special thanks to the Communications Committee and the staff of the CRA for their hard work. We are supported by funding from Scotiabank, the Canadian Medical Association, and MD Financial Management. If you enjoyed your time with us, please give us a rating and subscribe so you don't miss future episodes. You can also share this podcast with your colleagues and spread the word on social media. I'm Daniel Ennis. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time.